Heavenly Father, we thank You and we praise You, Lord, for Your Word. And Lord, for the example of the first century church and the apostles, Lord, and that the same power that was within them, Your Holy Spirit upon them, is available to every single one of us this morning. And Father, I pray, Lord, that You would pour out Your Spirit upon us, Father. And Lord, that as we look at Your Word, that it would be a, a time of exhortation, a time of encouragement to walk with You and not be swayed by the world. Not to fear men, Lord, but to honor You. So Lord, we love You and we praise You. Lord, may You be our teacher this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to pick up in verse 17 of Acts chapter 5, but before we do, real quickly, in the first four chapters plus of Acts, we witnessed the, the birthing of the Christian church. Christ had ascended back into heaven, and as He did, He didn't leave the Christians alone, but He sent His Holy Spirit to live inside of them. In Acts chapter 1, we saw them waiting for the promise when, when it was said, Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And remember that the Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts chapter 2, and they began to speak in other languages, and everybody heard the wonderful works of God, and many people were saved. The Apostle Paul, or Peter, excuse me, went from being a, a man who was afraid to a man who spoke boldly, and the only difference was the Holy Spirit came upon him. And 3,000 souls were added to the church in a single day. When we get to chapter 3, we see that these guys and their focus had totally changed. They began walking in the Spirit. They had, they had been waiting on the promise, now they're filled with the Spirit of the living God. And now they begin walking in the Spirit, and they start having a burden for the lost. And their whole lives change. And when you become a Christian, everything should change. Amen? You shouldn't be the same old person you used to be. You're a new creation in Christ. The things you pursued before make no sense because now you're seeking after that which is eternal and you're desiring to walk with God. And that's exactly what happened to the apostles. They meant from men of sleep, remember they were always napping when the Lord was praying, to men of prayer. They went from men focused on themselves to men of compassion, men of doubt to men of fear, men of pride to men of humility. May the same things happen in us. And then in chapter 4, two weeks ago, we saw evidences of a Spirit-filled life. When you're walking in the Spirit, and you're filled with the Spirit of the living God, and you're seeking after Him above all else, several things will happen, and we'll see some of them this morning. You will face persecution from the world. You'll face persecution from the world because the world doesn't want to hear it. The world wants to remain on the throne. There will also be fruit in your life. You'll have boldness to proclaim the gospel and you'll be a reflection of the Lord to a lost and dying world. And then last week we saw, I titled the message, Pursuing God or the Praise of Men. And we looked at the difference between Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. Those of you who are here, and if you weren't, the tapes here are always free. God's Word will never charge for a Bible, will never charge for God's Word, so you can help yourself. But here's the thing. We saw the contrast between these new Christians and Barnabas came and gave all that he had to the Lord that the Lord might be glorified. And we know that Barnabas became a mighty man of God. He became Paul's traveling companion. His name means son of what? Encouragement. Okay? And he was an encourager, and that's who Barnabas was. But Ananias and Sapphira saw that when Barnabas gave, people went, wow, Barnabas, pretty spiritual guy. And so they wanted to have the praise of men. Where he was pursuing God, they were seeking the praise of men. And Ananias and Sapphira went in and pretended to give everything to the Lord, but they really didn't. They were being hypocrites. And what did God do to them? He struck them down dead. And it's amazing that in the beginning of the church, God's desire was that it would remain pure. Because with purity comes power. Amen? A church that is pure and seeking after God with its whole heart, a church that's not filled with hypocrisy, is used mightily by God. 
You know, the enemy will attack a church that's, that's growing and doing wonderful things. Anybody, if you've been coming here any length of time, you know we're a fairly new church, and God is blessing, and the church is growing every single week. People are getting saved, lives are being changed, and there's two things that we can be assured of. That there will be attacks from within in hypocrisy, as Satan did in the first century church, and attacks from the outside in persecution, which we'll look at today. So where God is moving, know that the enemy will attack. And God, you know, it's interesting that in the Bible, the only time... You really see Jesus getting angry. You don't see him get angry at unbelievers. Have you ever noticed that? He gets angry at those who proclaim to be believers, but are living hypocritical lives. Remember when he drove them out of the temple with a whip? Remember that? Because they turned his father's house into a den of thieves. It's those, hypocrite means to wear a mask. The mask wearers who pretend to be something that they're not. So last week we saw the attacks from within in hypocrisy. And it breaks God's heart. How many of you have ever heard somebody say that they don't believe in Jesus Christ because of all the hypocrisy in the church? Have you ever heard that before? We've all heard it. They say, oh yeah, I, I did business with one Christian one time and he robbed me blind. And you know, I knew a Christian guy, I had a Christian boss and he was angry and yelling and screaming all the time. And, you know, and they look at, at the hypocrisy of Christians, quote Christians, and it steers them away from God. And that's one of the ways that Satan comes in. But the second way is through persecution. And that's what we're going to see this morning. As we pick up in verse 17, we're going to be looking at a message that I entitled, Truth and Consequences. Because when we speak the truth, there will be consequences. Amen? Two things will happen. There will be fruit, people's lives will be changed, and the world won't like it. When you stand up and tell people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by Him, and if you do it in a loving and a kind and a gracious way, there will be those who receive it and those who don't want to hear it. The world today is trying to silence that message. We've got to get the Ten Commandments out of the schools. We've got to get Jesus out of the schools. We've got to get prayer out of the schools. And we're going to see that there's nothing new under the sun. Because after Pentecost, we see that they were preaching Jesus Christ, signs and wonders were accompanying it, but... Even though the church was exploding, not everybody was happy. And Jesus had said this, that He came that we might have life and life more abundant. Amen? There's no one happier in the world than me. I just want you to know that. Okay? You might be as happy as me if you're walking with the Lord, but I guarantee you no one's happier than me because I'm born again. I'm a new creation in Christ. I understand what life's all about. The meaning of life is Jesus. Amen? And I know that I'm going to heaven. And it doesn't matter what happens around me because God is in control and God is faithful and my future is secure and my present time is in His hands. It doesn't get any better than that. Amen? But understand that as He called us to have life and life more abundant, He also said, they will persecute you. Just as He was persecuted, so they will revile and persecute us for His namesake. Now I want to make it clear, I said this last week doesn't mean that you go out and get in people's face and start screaming that they're going to go to hell. Amen? You ever seen people doing that? Megaphone on a box, you're going to fry when people walk by. <laughs> no one ever repents at that box. Never seen it happen. Amen? And then they'll say, oh, I'm being persecuted for my faith. No, you're being persecuted because you're a jerk. Amen? The reality is that we are to love people. Amen? We are to be humble with people. And we're to point them to our loving Savior not come across as holier than thou and self-righteous and condemning. Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundant, but know that persecution will follow those who serve him. The religious leaders of the day saw what was happening, and they, the, the same people that had 
had taken Jesus to the cross, that had cried out, crucify him, would now treat the apostles the very same way. So the four things we're going to see this morning, if you're taking notes, we're going to see religious leaders attacking and attempting to silence the truth. We're going to see the apostles being witnesses to the truth. We're going to see Gamaliel avoiding the truth and the church proclaiming the truth. So the religious leaders are going to attack the truth. The apostles will witness to the truth. Gamaliel, who was at head of all the Pharisees, will avoid the truth. And finally, the church will proclaim the truth. So let's begin in verse 17 of Acts chapter 5. Again, picking up where we left off last week. And we'll watch as the religious leaders attack and attempt to silence the truth, the word of God. An undiable work was going on right in front of them, but they wanted to shut them down. Look at verse 17. Now, right after they had healed many people, all the sick that came had been healed, it says in verse 17, Then the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, which is of the sect of Pharisees, and they were filled with indignation. How did these religious leaders respond when the word of God was going out? The church had grown from 120 people to 5,000 people in a matter of days. Church was exploding. The Holy Spirit was moving. And these religious leaders of the day did not like it. These are the very same men who cried out, crucify him, when it came to Jesus Christ. And now they hear what's going on, and it says there that they were filled with indignation. The word indignation there is jealousy. So how did they respond? They didn't seek to learn more. They didn't want to investigate the truth. Instead, they were jealous of the apostles' popularity, and they were angered that they had not obeyed their orders to stop preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. If you are here two weeks ago in Acts chapter 4, remember what happened when they were preaching... What did they do? They called them in and they said to them, stop it. You guys remember that? Verse 18 of Acts 4 says, So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus Christ. Now who are these Sadducees? I've said this before, the Sadducees were sad you see. Amen? Because they did not believe in the resurrection, they did not believe in angels, they did not believe in spirits, they did not believe in the afterlife. What's up with being a a priest when you don't even believe in heaven? I don't get it, right? What's the point? These guys were these real liberal guys who were all about morality, but really they were all about power. And they were all about being lifted up and magnified and being rich and having people honor them. And so these guys, when they heard that the name of Jesus was being proclaimed and people were flocking in droves to come to know him, they were like, whoa, our power base is being deleted. You know, we're, we're losing some of our followers, and they're preaching the resurrection. Oh, and they're, they're jealous and they're angry because they were teaching contrary to what they taught. They didn't believe in the supernatural, and they wanted to shut the guys down who taught truth. Although these guys were a minority in number, they had great power. They had a lot of money. And the apostles were teaching, again, contrary to their beliefs. Verse 18. So what did they do? So they laid hands on the apostles, and they put them in the common prison. Now, are the apostles being obedient to the Word of God? Yes. They're obeying the Lord. They're filled with the Spirit of the living God. So now they're on the cruise ship to heaven, and nothing bad ever happens in their life. Amen? No, that's not what's happening. A lot of people say that, come to Jesus Christ, and you'll just float on a cloud till you die. The reality is that Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundant, but persecution will come. And he allows persecution to come into our lives that we might be more conformed to his image. Amen? 
You know what? It's the times that we're the most desperate. It's the times that we go through the most difficult that we seek after Him with the greatest zeal. Amen? It's those times when we're hanging on to the Lord when He's all that we have. And if we were on the cruise ship to heaven, we might forget about our Savior and our desperate need for Him. And so we see here that these guys are being obedient, they're serving God with their whole heart, and they end up where? In prison. They get thrown in prison for doing what God had told them to do. Some of you might be here this morning and say, you know, I've been serving the Lord and I lost my job. I've been following after Him and I've been diagnosed with an illness. I've been serving the Lord with my whole heart and my kids aren't walking with Him. Lord, it just doesn't seem fair. You know what? God's in control. God is faithful and God will use your circumstances for His glory if you will let Him. Amen? You're not alone. He doesn't leave you nor forsake you. So they arrested them and they put them in with the common prisoners, with the debtors and the murderers. And I have an idea that this backfired too because what do you think these apostles were doing in prison? They're preaching Jesus. Are you kidding me? These guys are in prison. They got a captive audience. They can't leave. They put them in the common prison, which means it's one big room. All these prisoners were in there and they threw the apostles in there. Oh, man. They're like, oh, that one's mine. I'm talking to him. No, I got it, right? And they're walking around and they're preaching Jesus. And so even in the midst of difficulties, know that there's a divine appointment in the middle of it. That God will give us opportunities to glow in the dark for him. Verse 19. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now, I love this. The truth of the gospel cannot be silenced no matter how hard you try. Amen? They can make it against the law to pray in school. They can take the Ten Commandments off of every building that they want to. They can, you know, tell store owners they can't play Christian music. They can do whatever they want to do. And here's the reality. You cannot stop the gospel. Amen? Kids in my youth group used to come up to me and say, Pastor Dave, they won't, won't let me pray at school. You know what I tell them? Pray anyway. Amen? Pray anyway. What are they going to do? Take away your birthday? I mean, what are they going to do to you? You know, I mean, we're to obey God, not men. And so praise God. And so what happens here is these guys are in prison. They're preaching Jesus, no doubt, to everybody in the prison. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up. Now let me ask you a question. If they had not been in prison, would they have experienced the miracle of being released by an angel? No. And if we don't get cancer sometimes or lose a job or have difficulties in our life, we'll never get to see the mighty hand of God at work. Amen? We'll never get to see God come through at the rent at the last hour. We'll never get to see God do those things if we never go through difficulty. And so these guys were in prison, it was divinely appointed by God, and an angel shows up. Can you imagine? They're in prison, and an angel says, you know, they're probably witnessing. Okay, guys, you're done. We've got to go back to the temple now. Come on. Now, I love this part. Where do they send them? They send them back to the very place to do the very same thing that got them arrested. Now, if you're not filled with the Spirit of the living God, you're going to go, well, wait, now, where do you want me to go? I was just down there, and they grabbed me and, and thrashed on me and threw me in prison. You want me to go back? No, I don't think so. I love the story of Paul. He was stoned at Lystra. They stoned him to death, I believe, and God resurrected him. And what did Paul do? He went right back into Lystra and started preaching. Dude, that's radical, right? Well, these guys right here, same thing. They get out of prison. They've been thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. He says, I want you to go back and just keep on doing it. Okay. 
Praise the Lord. Now, if you have an eternal perspective, all right, there's my opportunity, let's go. If you're focused on the physical, it's like, you know, I'm thinking, let's go down to Galilee. I'm thinking we should go over here somewhere else. I mean, those guys are kind of rough in the temple. I know what's going to be facing me when I get there. You know what, you might be working somewhere where it's difficult and you want to go move somewhere else. God's got you there for a reason. Amen? Where you are, you're there by divine appointment and God wants to use you right where you are. They didn't run away. They didn't say, I've been delivered and run in a different direction. The angel released them and sent them right back where they came from. And again, I love that God used an angel to deliver them because the Sadducees didn't believe in what? Didn't believe in angels. So this non-existent angel went and opened up the prison. I love that. God's got a sense of humor. There you go, Sadducees. You don't believe in them, but it happened anyway. And he said, teach them, speak to the people all the words of what? Of this life. Christianity is a way of life. Amen? It's not just a, a creed to believe in. It's the eternal life the Sadducees didn't believe in. If you're looking for the meaning of life, how to have joy, how to have wisdom, you know what you need to do? You need to read this book that you got in your hand right now. Amen? Christianity is not something we do Sunday morning from 10 to 11.30. I'm not a, I'm, you know, I, back when I was in sales, I wasn't a salesman who happened to be a Christian. I wasn't a father who happened to be a Christian, a husband who happened to be a Christian, an American who happened to be a Christian, a man who happened to be a Christian. I was a Christian who happened to be a man who happened to be a husband who happened to be a father. Amen? Being a Christian is what I am. And being a Christian is a way of life. And it's 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Amen? And you know what? There's nothing in the world I'd rather be. It's what it's all about. You can have joy. You can have peace in your circumstances. And he says, teach these guys the meaning of life. The Bible truly is the guidebook on how to live a happy life. And a a life filled with joy and filled with the Spirit of the living God. Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and kindness. Told you repeatedly, Elvis Presley said, I'd give all my riches and all my fame for 30 minutes of peace. You know what? I've got peace. And if you don't have Jesus Christ, you can never have peace. A little bit more money won't bring you peace. The new car smell will wear off. Amen? (laughs) The things will fade. And the thing you thought was going to bring you joy will pass away. But only if you're walking with Him can you have peace. And I I know this is going to just sidetrack for one second, but bear with me. I don't understand why people think they need to go somewhere else to find peace, especially in the church today. Amen? God's Word is sufficient. It has the answer to every problem that you have. We don't need any other books written by any other ungodly men to clue us in on our problems. I'm I'm just going to say it. I'm talking about psychology. You don't need a psychologist. You know why? You got Jesus. You got the creator of the universe. Who created psychology? Freud and Young. A bunch of guys burning in hell. I don't need their counsel. How about you? Amen? Psychology is, psyche is soul, and ology is study of, so it's the study of the soul. Who knows more about the soul than God's word? This is it right here. You come in for pre-marriage counseling with Pastor Dave, Bible's coming out. Amen? You come in for mar- any kind of... Ca- I'm, okay, well, let's go. There, well, here's the verse. God's Word says, all the answers are right here, amen? And we don't need to seek anything else. And He says, you give them the words of life. And you know what? My heart is, that's why we spend and we focus here. The six-word motto of Calvary Chapel Santa Cruz is preach the Word and love the people. Amen? 
And it's God's Word that transforms lives. By the way, can I just encourage you guys? I was so blessed this week. I had several people in different circumstances. One lady, a teacher at Baymont Christian School, came up to me and said, Pastor, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah. So I just want to tell you that I've met so many people from your church, and every one of them that I've met are the, absolutely the nicest people I've ever met in my life. She says, it blows me away. Every time I meet one, I start talking to them. Like, the joy, it's incredible. These people are loving, and they're kind, and they're great. And she goes, you know what the commonality was in all of them? They all go to your church. And I said, well, praise the Lord, because God's Word brings joy into the life of people. Amen? It's the Word of God that transforms us. It's the Word of God that allows us to have joy in our circumstances. And as your pastor, I can't tell you how much that blessed me. But again, he's given us this book. It tells us how to live, how to be godly, how to have peace. All the books in the world that we need are wrapped up in the one that's in your hand. Teach them all the words of life. It's in God's Word. Hey, if you're here and you're a psychologist, Jesus loves you. Okay? I love you. I'm glad you're here. Okay? I hope you're not offended by my words, but the reality is that God's Word is sufficient. Amen? Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. As if the Lord didn't fully understand. We need new processes to uncover people's struggles. The Lord didn't fully get it 2,000 years ago, and He needs our help today. Stop it. No, He doesn't. He put the stars in the sky. It's sufficient. Amen? Verse 21. And when they heard that they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. Don't you love these guys? They're in prison for teaching. They tell them to go back in the temple. Does it say they went back and drew straws and voted on it and debated about whether or not they really should go back? When did they go? Early the next morning. I like that. Right away. The Lord told them to go, and they went. It's been said that the largest nation is procrastination. You know what? If the Lord is calling you to do something, He wants you to do it now. Amen? Well, I'm thinking about possibly in the future considering thinking about doing something about that. If the Lord is calling you and putting a burden on your heart, when does He want you to respond? Six weeks from Monday? When does He want you to respond? I know people that have known that they have a calling on their life and they've been talking about it for ten years. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Amen? And when did they go? Early the next morning. I want you to go to the temple. Okay. They went. And God used them. If God's putting a burden on your heart, like my dad said, you may not feel totally equipped. Go for it anyway. Amen? The Lord loves you. If He's calling you, He'll equip you. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Amen? He doesn't look and say, okay, now that you've memorized the entire Bible... In Greek, Hebrew, and English, now you can... No, that's not our God. He uses these fishermen and uses them mightily, not the religious leaders of the day. One of Satan's lies is he'll say, well, there's no God, but a lot of people won't buy that. Say there's no resurrection, and none of us will buy that, but then he'll tell you that there's no hurry. And a lot of us buy that one. No hurry. No, we need to be diligent. The Lord directs you, respond with urgency. Verse 421, oh, the rest of the verse. But the high priest and those who were with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. I think this is comedy. All these guys who thought they knew everything, we all got their robes on and we're separated. Ooh, you know, and they walk the town, oh, the religious guys. And they call everybody together to go to the prison to have them brought. Guess what? They're not there anymore. You know what? These guys miss God completely. 
They were a bunch of religious men who were dead in their trespasses and sins. Verse 22. But when the officers came and did not find them in prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. I like that. Duh. They're like, wow, I wonder how that happened. Well, it couldn't be angels because we don't believe in them. And it couldn't have been Jesus Christ and, you know, uh, we don't know what happened. I wonder what the outcome's going to be. Instead of trying to find out and truly seeking after truth, these guys continue to walk in ignorance. Imagine the shock of these, these envious members, these Sadducees who didn't believe in miracles, who were trying to stop the miracles and them putting them in prison, what did it do? It actually multiplied the miracles. Do you know the persecution, when the church is persecuted most, that's when it grows most? You know that? You're not going to like your pastor very much. Do you know that I pray for persecution sometimes? For our church? You know why? Because they're going to find out who's really sold out for Jesus. Amen? You find out what's what when the fire gets turned up a little bit. Amen? And you know what? In the midst of persecution, that's when the church grows. And so these guys throw them in prison thinking they're going to shut them up. And instead, an angel delivers them. And now the miracles have become greater. Now they're multiplying the very thing they were trying to stop. Praise God that you cannot silence the gospel. It is absolutely impossible. Verse 26. Verse 25, excuse me. So, they, so one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Hey, you know that those guys you're looking for in prison? They're down at the temple again preaching the gospel. Verse 26. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. Now let's look at the contrast between the apostles and these religious leaders. These wannabe, hope-so, black robe-wearing, wheelbarrow-full-of-rules-pushing guys, right? That's what they were. It was all about condemnation and the law and rules and no grace. Some of you have been to churches like that. You go into church and they just whap you over the head every week. And the reality is, God is a God of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And you can take a million steps away from God, but it's only one step back. Amen? And He loves you so much, He'd rather die than live without you. That's the God we serve. And we see here very clearly, these religious leaders were these educated men. They were rich. They had authority. Yet they had zero power. And they were afraid of people. Look what it says in that verse. It says, they brought them without violence, for they feared what? The people. They were afraid of what people thought. Why do Christians today compromise their faith quite often? Because they're worried about what people think. I don't want to come across as some kind of Jesus freak or something at work. I just want to fit in and get along. You know, as DC Talk would say, what will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak, right? What are people going to do when they find out it's true, right? And these guys were afraid of what people thought. They had the fear of men and no fear of God. They sought the approval of men. The apostles were uneducated fishermen, had been with Jesus, God's power was at work in them, and they feared God and not men. There there is no fear for those in Christ Jesus. Amen? What do you have to be afraid of? The worst thing the world can do to me is the best thing that could happen to me. Right? Somebody comes up here and pops a cap in Pastor Dave, 
I'm going to close my eyes here and open them up in heaven. Amen? I'm going to just move to a much better neighborhood. And praise God that we don't have anything to be afraid of. The apostles understood that. But these guys who didn't believe in anything after this life were so focused on the physical that they were afraid of what men might do. We don't have to be afraid of men. Amen? We should love them, but we don't have to fear them. Fearing, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and indeed to bring this man's blood on our head. Now this is interesting. Didn't we tell you not to preach in his name? Again, Acts 4.18, they commanded them not to speak the name of Jesus. In Acts 4.20, Peter and John said, Who should we obey? You or God. We cannot but speak the things that we've heard from God. We cannot dial it down. You know, dial it down. I've heard that before. Man, dude, why don't you relax? Man, why don't you dial it down a bit, man? It's no big deal. Oh, yeah, we want to go out party and drink a little bit. And yeah, I'm living with my girlfriend, but so lighten up, man. I'm a Christian. Uh, by your fruit, they shall know you. Amen? And if you are a Christian living that kind of lifestyle, you're going to be miserable. Amen? And you know what? I don't think this is a time to be dialing it down. It's a time to be stoking up the fire. Amen? Because the Lord could come any day, and we want to be found faithful and busy about His work. So they threatened them further and let them go. Rather than than bow to the threats of men, they became even more resolved to to walk in obedience of God earlier. This is chapter 4. They said, didn't we tell you not to speak in this name? Do you notice they won't even say Jesus' name? You notice that? They won't even say His name. We told you not to speak in this name. And I also find it interesting that the only accusation they had against him was you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Now this is the testimony not of the, of the evangelistic club that's trying to raise money that says we reached the entire city for Christ, right? But these are their enemies saying you have reached everybody with the gospel. May that be what the enemy says about Calvary Santa Cruz. Man, all you guys have done is tell everybody in Santa Cruz County about Jesus. Man, oh, Amen. You know what? Pray for the radio program. Part of my heart is that we would minister here, but we get outside the walls. We're on Monday through Friday at 1030 in the morning on 880 AM. Encourage you to, if you know somebody at work that might not come to church, see if they'll listen to the radio program. But we want to reach this county for Jesus Christ. Does Santa Cruz need Jesus? Big time. We have peace. We've got the antidote for the death serum. Amen? Jesus Christ. Everybody else has got, we need to go share with them the love of Almighty God. Would it be to God that the world would say the same thing about us? Now look at this part. And, they intend, and you intend to bring this man's blood on us. Now let me ask you a question. These were the guys that said, crucify, crucify. And then Pilate washed his hands. Remember at the crucifixion of the blood? And said, I washed my hands of this man. And he said, you guys see to his crucifixion. And then what did these very men say? His blood be upon us and our That's what they said. And now here they are, less than two months later, saying, you're trying to put His blood on us. You asked for His blood to be upon you. You guys are guilty. You did it. And now you're trying to squirm out from under it. 
Peter had pointed to their guilt. In Acts 4, he said, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, who God raised from the dead. These guys were guilty. They needed to repent. And instead, they focused on their dead religion. So we saw here in this first portion, the religious leader's response to God's truth was trying to silence it. How would these guys respond? Look at verse 29, the apostles. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to His right hand to be Prince and Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are His witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. These guys have been cast in prison. They had been threatened by these men and they didn't dial it down one notch. What did they do? This is the same Peter that was standing in front of the fire. Remember in John? And he's standing in front of the fire, and the little girl came up and said, you're one of Jesus' followers. And he was, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And he cursed, you remember that? And he swore and denied Christ and and ran away. After his eyes meeting Jesus, he ran away and wept bitterly. The same Peter now is standing up in front of the most religious people of the day, and he's preaching the gospel without compromise. What happened to Peter? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Sometimes people will say, well, pastor, I just don't, I'm just not that bold. Well, you're not that bold because you need more of the Spirit of the living God living inside of you. Amen? Oh, that was rough. But I'm kind of shocked. Hey, does God, did God call you? You know, Christianity is, is not a parking lot. It's a launching pad. Amen? He didn't save you to park you. Okay, get, go up at level 7 and park your car until I come back. He saved you to use you that you might reach the world for His, for the, for his glory. Amen? Aren't you glad that the person that led you to the Lord wasn't in a parking lot just hanging out until God came back? Aren't you? I'm glad Mrs. Green was faithful. And we should, be glad, we should be faithful and use the gifts that God has given us. We must obey God rather than man. And the word there for ought is actually in the Greek the word must. We must obey God. Not I'll try to obey God, but we must obey God. And, we must, and it says in Romans 13 to obey the authorities that God has placed over us, but not when they tell you to do something contrary to God's word. I've had people say to me, well, I, I, don't, you know, I don't want to offend my people. And I, I can't do anything because they've told me it's against the rules. And They told Daniel to stop praying. What did he do? Kept praying. They told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that when the music sounds, you've got to bow down to the golden idol of, of Nebuchadnezzar. What did they do? They didn't bow. And as Christians, we don't need to be politically correct or worldly popular. We need to be in the center of God's will. Amen? Loving people, sold out for Him, not worried about what men think, but being faithful to what God has called them to do. They won't let you pray at school? Pray anyway. They won't let you share your faith? Share your faith anyway. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Remember, do it. Do it without hostility and do it with humility. When you share your faith, don't be hostile, don't be angry, don't be self-righteous, be humble, and be, don't be hostile. Amen? Love people, because Jesus loves them. Verse 30 to 32 there, it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and I love the fact that they were no longer afraid. They had a one-track mind. They were preaching the gospel. You know, in the flesh they fled, but now filled with the Spirit of the living God, they would not be quiet. 
They preached the resurrection, that Jesus had been exalted, that he was prince, that he was savior, that he was the source of forgiveness. And boy, I'll tell you what, these guys didn't like it. The Sadducees were not happy because they were being told that they were murderers. These guys were the real religious guys. You've got to realize that prior to the apostles, these guys would walk through town and everybody would just have reverence for them. Ooh, the religious guys. Ooh, black robe. Oh, you guys are awesome. Oh, wow. And now these guys get going, you guys are murderers. Who else went after these guys? Jesus. Remember, what did he call them? Brood of vipers. You bunch of snakes. They didn't like Jesus either. Because he went after them and said, religion, it's not about dead religion, but it's, but it's about having a relationship with a living God. Amen? Don't fall into the trap of seeking after dead religion. So we see the apostles' bold witness. Now we're going to see Gamaliel avoiding the truth. We're almost done. Verse 33. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. So when they heard this, and they heard the, the gospel, instead of responding to it, instead of repenting, they attempted again to silence the truth. 34. Then one of the councils stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. Who knows who Gamaliel, who, who did he teach? Who did he tutor? Paul. Saul of Tarsus. When Saul was a religious zealot, this was his teacher. This guy was a highly respected man by the Jews. He was a Pharisee, which were really at odds with the Sadducees. As a matter of fact, you see several Pharisees come to know Christ. There's not a recording of one Sadducee anywhere in the Bible coming to know Christ. But you see several Pharisees that do. And Gamaliel gets up and says, let's put the apostles outside and let's discuss this. Let's talk about it. So this man of great reputation puts him outside and was respected even by those who opposed him. Verse 35. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, Keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Now, I believe people talk about Gamaliel having great wisdom, and no doubt that God uses him here to deliver the apostles so they might continue doing what God has called them to do. And while Gamaliel, I do think, shows some wisdom, I still believe he's avoiding the truth. Because Jesus is standing, or his apostles and the gospel of Jesus Christ is right in front of him. And instead of dealing with it, the first thing he does is he compares Jesus to two wackos. And says these other guys came along and their ministries fell apart, and maybe Jesus is just like them. And if he is, it'll fall apart. But if he's truly from God, then we'll see. His basic response to the gospel is ignore it and maybe it will go away. Well, let me tell you something. You cannot ignore Jesus. Amen? No decision is a decision when it comes to our Savior. You're either for me or you're against me. That's what Jesus said. You can't take neutral ground with our Savior. You can't be kind of saved. That's like being kind of pregnant. Either you are or you're not. 
Either you've been made a new creation in Christ or you're still dead in your trespasses and sins. Either your name is written in the Lamb's book of life or it's not. And he's trying to avoid the confrontation. He's trying to ignore the truth. And this is not what God would have him to do. Choose today whom you're going to serve. Let me ask you a question. Are you just ignoring Jesus? Are you avoiding the truth? Have you made a decision about him? I know there's some people that are here this morning that have been here several times, and I am so glad you're here, and I want you to feel totally welcome. But I also know that there's some of you that have been coming for a long time, and you've never given your life to the Lord. I don't understand why not. I don't get it. I'll just be honest with you. Now, I'm glad you keep coming. I know that's the Holy Spirit drawing you back week after week. And I want you to feel welcome, even if you don't give your life to the Lord today or next week. I want you to keep coming, because you're going to hear the truth here. And we love you no matter what. Amen? But today's the day of salvation. We don't have the promise of tomorrow. I had a close friend that I had an appointment with, a co-worker, not really a friend, but a co-worker. I had an appointment to meet with him, and we were going to go over the gospel. I had shared the Lord with him a little bit, and we were going to sit down and talk about the Lord. And literally the day before our meeting, he was killed in a car accident. And I mean, I was gripped. And the Lord put on my heart, don't ever wait till tomorrow to share your faith when you can share it today. And don't wait till tomorrow to give your life to Jesus Christ when you can do it right now. Let me tell you something. People are afraid sometimes to give their life to the Lord because they're afraid they're going to lose something. Let me tell you something. You're not going to lose anything. You're going to gain everything. Amen? You're going to have the promise of heaven. You can understand what life's all about. Do you know that when one person gives their life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that all the angels in heaven rejoice? Man, I want to start a party up in heaven this morning. Amen? And my heart is for you guys, and I'm praying for you every week. And man, don't leave here without them. You know, you can leave here without the American Express card and you'll get over it. But you cannot leave here without Jesus Christ. Amen? Don't leave earth without Him. He's a loving and a gracious God. And I love this fact that, that these guys were indestructible until God was through with them. God was using even this man who did not know God to allow them to be delivered. Last three verses. Gamaliel avoiding the truth, now the church proclaiming the truth. Verse 40. And they agreed with him. And when they called the apostles, when they called for the apostles and had beaten them, they commanded they should not speak the name of Jesus and let them go. Now I want to make this really clear. They, com- they agreed with him that they, they should leave them alone and see if it's of God, but just to make sure they beat them first. Now I want you to understand the word for beat here is the same word that you see for the word scourge. So they didn't, you know, bring them in and paddle them on the rear end and send them away. Okay? They tied them to a post, hands and feet. They took a cat of nine tails with bone and glass and metal. They took that whip and they brought it forward and it would latch onto their body. When they would pull it back, it would rip their skin away. After the third or fourth or fifth lash, you would start to see internal organs. They gave them 40 lashes minus one. Often, more often than not, people died from this beating. They would be laying in a bloody pulp at the bottom of this post. That's what happened to these guys. Why? Because they shared the love of God with the lost and dying world. But I want you to see something. They were beaten, but did they stop sharing their faith? Did they say, okay, that's enough. I didn't sign up for this program. I wanted the cruise ship to heaven to get out of hell free card in my wallet, but hey, People start picking whips to me. I'm done. I'm checking out. I'll just go park in the garage and wait for the Lord to come back. That's not what they did. 
These guys were beaten. But the response was, so they departed, verse 41, from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. What kind of men are these? These guys were beaten within an inch of their lives. They've been thrown in prison. All they've done is obey the Lord. And they went away rejoicing that they were counted worthy. You know what? How do you stop guys like this? You don't. Amen? These guys were Jesus freaks. These guys were fanatics. They didn't become bitter and quit. They rejoiced at being counted worthy. The opposition of men meant the approval of God. Jesus had warned them back in Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. They were not bitter. They were not crying out and blaming God for their persecution, but rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His sake. How do you stop men like this? You don't. They're unstoppable. They're Jesus freaks. They're religious fanatics. People want to be a fanatic for the 49ers, right? Woo, you know, the Raiders or whatever your team is, right? And, you know, you'll paint your face and, you know, look like idiots on national television and do all this kind of stuff for a football team. But then when it comes to Jesus, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah. Yeah, I give my life to Jesus Christ, go to Calvary Chapel, Niners, yeah, you know, we're going to tailgate, it's going to be great. And then we get to the Lord. I love, I love this, I saw this. Churchill, Winston Churchill had this description of a fanatic. A fanatic is someone who you can't change his mind and he won't change the subject. <laughs> I like that. You can't change his mind and he won't change the subject. He just keeps, Jesus loves you. Oh, dude, okay, whatever, man. I, I, no, man, he loves you. He died for you. Oh, dude, come on, stop. I, I, okay, I got, he loves you. Because when we have an eternal perspective, we realize every saved person this side of heaven should be burdened for every unsaved person this side of hell. Amen? Are we going to get to heaven and say, I should have done less for the kingdom? Should have golfed more. Watch more TV. More cruises. No, we should have shared our faith more. Amen? Because when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. And look what it says in verse 42. And then they all ran away and hid, waiting for Jesus to come back. No, it doesn't say that. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. The first century church was filled with the Spirit of the living God. They were not afraid of what men thought. They were sold out for the kingdom. They had an eternal perspective, and the threats of men would never, ever stop them. You know what? May we be a church like this one. Amen? May we be so in love with the Lord that we realize that persecution and trials and difficulties in our life are only an opportunity for the gospel. When we get thrown into prison, may we look for divine appointments to share our faith. When we're losing our job and difficulties are happening, be looking because God's going to show up and we're going to get to see Him work. Amen? And these guys went and preached publicly, and they also preached in houses. You know what? All this persecution did was cause the gospel to expand. Telling a spirit-filled Christian not to share his faith is like commanding him not to breathe. You can't do it. Amen? They won't stop. They just love Jesus too much. Their perspective is too much on the eternal. The church proclaimed the truth without fear, without 
compromise, with all humility, they had an, an eternal focus. So in review, truth and consequences. Religious leaders attacked and attempted to silence the truth. Their continued rejection would result in eternal consequences. The Spirit-filled apostles boldly witnessed to the truth, would not waver at imprisonment or the threats of men. They weren't worried about what the world thought. You know what? Peer pressure. Why are we worried about what our peers think? Why do we be worried about what the Creator of the universe thinks? Amen? He's the one that watches us and loves us. Gamaliel avoided the truth would find that no decision is a decision. You can't ignore, avoid, or pass the buck when it comes to Jesus. You can't pull a Pontius Pilate. You've got to make a decision about him. Who's Jesus to you? Is he a religious figure from back in the day? Is he your Savior? Or is he your Lord, your Savior, your King, and your best friend? How much time do you spend with him every week? These guys were so focused on Jesus, nothing else mattered. And again, God wants us to go to work and He wants us to be godly husbands and, and, and mothers and fathers and, and employees and all those things. But our number one focus needs to be Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. And the early church proclaimed the gospel without fear. They were so eternally focused that they counted persecution and suffering as a privilege and a blessing. They looked at heaven. They knew where they were headed. You know what? God is so good. One of these days we're going to be around His throne forever and ever. We're going to worship Him. There's going to be no more death, no more pain, no more suffering, no more persecution, and no more trials. And let me tell you this. As your pastor, my heart would be that we'll all be there together. Amen? It would break my heart to think even one of you would not know Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your love and Your grace, and we thank You for the example of these early church followers of yours, Lord, and how they were so sold out for you. And Father, may we learn from that example. And may we too be men and women who are so in love with you that we're not detoured by the fear of men or chasing religion or chasing anything else the world has to offer. And Lord, I do pray for everyone in this room right now, Lord, if there's even one that doesn't know you, that has never given their life to you, I pray, Lord, that right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would soften their heart to their need for you as Lord and Savior. That they would realize that just like everyone else in this room, that they are sinners. But Lord, you came to be our Savior. Lord, you came to pay the price for our sin that we would not have to. Lord, that we can be cleansed white as snow if we will simply confess our need for you. So I'm not going to take a lot of time this morning, but if you're here this morning, first of all, if you know the Lord, be praying for those who don't. Or if you're here, and you don't know the Lord. Maybe you've been coming for a while. The Bible says, if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. And it's just simply praying a prayer, saying, yes, I'm a sinner, and I want you to be my Savior. If you're here this morning, and you've never done that, and you want to walk out of here knowing you've got the promise of eternal life, all, you, all I'm going to ask you to do is just raise your hand so I can pray with you. Is there anybody here at all? God bless you, brother. Anybody else? Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me for my sin. To make me a new creation. To fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, 
for dying on the cross for me and proving your God by raising from the dead. I believe that I've been born again and that I'm going to heaven. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand and close our worship song. Stand and close our worship song.